podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Adam McDougall is a health and fitness economist, an expert in health and performance, and after 20 years as an elite athlete in one of the world's toughest sports, NRL, Adam expanded into academic studies with connections to the world's smartest people in the fields of health and fitness. And as a result, he has helped transform the health and lives of hundreds of thousands of people. My name is Alex, I am Adam's producer, and here on The Health Hacker, in each episode, we make health easy as Adam reveals the latest secrets, shortcuts, and tips on achieving the ultimate health and health happiness and performance. And Adam, as a man of credibility, you get a lot of emails and tweets and we love your involvement in the show, especially when you rate us on iTunes and leave a comment. We can listen to what you're liking about the show and talk about you right here, just like we got one from Russell. He's actually sent us an email through podcast1.com.au on the contact page and he said, Adam, I've made my goals for 2018. It's quite funny, this one. I've also shared it with my mates to hold me accountable, which was one of the keys from our New Year's Day episode, Adam. He said, though, (laughs) however, what I didn't tell my mates was, for those guys who don't support me throughout the year, they don't know that you said, get rid of the mates that don't help you. So if his mates aren't (laughs) supporting him, he's going to boot them out of the friendship circle, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. How good's that? Good on you, Russell. Good on you, Russell. And the best thing is, mate, you'll uh, get a uh, manshake pack as a a result of sending in them comments. So keep them coming, guys. We really appreciate them. And Adam, you are looking at so much around mindfulness and what we do in our lives outside of just health and fitness. Our mental health is so important. And hacking our happiness is what one of the greatest things of all time, which is what our episode is all about today. And I say our, I say yours, Adam, because the amount of research you've done is unbelievable. So we actually have eight hacks to show you just how much info there is. So we better get straight into it. One, keep your friends close. Two, sing along. Three, R, like a pirate. We'll explain what that means soon. <laughs> Four, power up your posture. Five, smell the roses. Six, say I don't. Seven, embrace the good with the bad. And hack number eight will be secure serotonin. Adam McDougall, eight hacks to get through on this episode. Why is this so important for everybody? Because everybody wants to be happy. At the end of the day, that's what we all strive to be, is happy. You know, it's um, something which is uh, very elusive for most people out there. And, um, you know, I suppose the other problem that we've got is is the fact that people just don't really understand what happiness is. And one of my, my favourite stories is uh, one of my good mates was an uh, investment banker um, making a lot of money. Um, mm. And he just wasn't happy. And um, he turned around to me and he said, look, I'm going to go on a trip around the world. I'm going to try and find happiness. And um, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well... You know, all the money and all the things that I've got these days and the cars and the houses and, and, and all these materialistic things that I thought were going to make me happy once I obtained them. He said, once I've got them, I'm actually more unhappy than ever. I'm miserable. Um, and he said, so I'm just going to go on a trip and, and, you know, just go to places where they're poor and they don't have much and try and see if some of that can rub off onto me. So off he went on his adventure and you know, he went around the world and he went to some of the poorest countries in the world. And it wasn't until he's on his last leg back through Thailand that um, he actually got onto the path of happiness. He was sitting in a, a, um, a monk monastery after a big night out. Um, he was really repenting his sins and then next thing he knows, a monk came up to him and said, I've been waiting for you. He said, uh, I wanted to chat to you about happiness. And uh, he said the monk poured him out some green tea and uh, um, and after a few minutes, he was totally engrossed with this monk's ability just to connect with him and really get to the root of his unhappiness, which was the fact he was always striving for more rather than just being in the present and being in the now. And the monk um, you know, went off on his way and, and my mate went off on his way. He came back to Australia and within a week he gave away all his physical possessions to his family Hmm. and he decided that um, he was no longer going to be an investment banker, he was actually going to go and become a monk. 
Yep. And uh, to this day, he now runs uh, one of the big uh, monasteries down in Melbourne. Um, and he's a full-blown monk. You know, he's uh, he's living living the life. And, uh, you know, it's quite interesting when he does come up to Newcastle and there's two bald blokes wandering around, one with a sheet wrapped around him. We do get a few strange looks um, from time to time. But um, he's somebody I've really consciously tried to tap into and try and find out, you know, just how one person go down this particular path and seem to have it all yet have nothing and then go down this totally different different path and have so much. So hopefully I can pass on some of the wisdom that I've learned from my good mate. But um, the first thing that he really taught me was actually understanding what happiness was, Alex. And this is where everybody gets it wrong. And this is where science is so intriguing. Because once you know what happiness is, because me personally, I actually thought happiness was pleasure. They're two very different things, happiness and pleasure. So happiness, Alex, just refers to a state of being. It's a state of mind rather than a reaction to something that's external. So, you know, I always thought that, you know, when I ate something or when I experienced something, um, that gave me a warm feeling. I was happy. But in actual fact, that was me experiencing pleasure, which is just a feeling of enjoyment. It doesn't hang around for that long. And it was dependent on external factors. Literally, I realized that true happiness has to come from within. You know, it's, it's about feeling satisfied with my life, my actions and beliefs and the fact that I'm acting in a congruent way. My actions are reflective of what my beliefs and, and, and what I think and what I believe to be real. Um, so it's such a different thing, you know, and that's why it's just a, a nice feeling. It's something that's always there. Whereas, you know, we've got to the stage now where we're at a real threat of being never happy because of the fact that the interesting thing about science is, is we now know that these two emotions and feelings have totally different chemical reactions in our brains. How have you adopted happiness versus pleasure in your life? Well, me personally, for example, a feeling of happiness is when I wake up in the morning and I think about what I want to do for the day and how I want to affect other people. So happiness is how I can help somebody else and how I can live in alignment with my beliefs. So I want to go out there and I want to help people lose weight. I want to see people live their best lives. I want to make the best product I can with the Manshake to let people get healthy and be their best. That to me is being congruent with what I believe and my actions back that up. And then I'm happy because I know I'm living my true path. Whereas pleasure is when I get up in the morning and then I have that cup of coffee. And I feel good because all of a sudden I'm getting the hit from mm. the coffee. Yeah. And that's an external stimulus, whereas, whereas I'm internalizing, which is what happiness is all about. So it's so different in so many ways, yet subtly so much the same. And this is the most interesting part for me, is you can you know, argue about the slight differences, but the real lay of the land and the secret to all this lies in our brains, the chemistry in our brains, the chemicals, the neurotransmitters that our brains produce when they experience these two different things. Happiness, when we experience it, our brains release serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter. Yet when we experience pleasure, we actually release a neurotransmitter called dopamine. The, the interesting thing, Alex, is, is when the brain releases dopamine, it actually then depletes serotonin. Unbelievable. So what I'm saying to you is when you obtain pleasure, your level of happiness chemicals Goes down. go down. So when your mate bought another car, he was he enjoyed the pleasure of it and then he was unhappy because he goes, oh, I've just bought another expensive luxury car. Or if you've drunk too much of a good thing, you enjoy that little bit of happiness, uh, sorry, pleasure, I, even I got it wrong, and then that affected your happiness. Yeah, the chemicals, you know, that, you know, make you happy, get 
you know, with it down. And that's the same, you know, with stress as well. And that's the other threat to our happiness is stress because cortisol, the hormone, depletes serotonin as well. And that is the interesting thing also about pleasure. When we're striving always for pleasure, it becomes addictive. Why? Because your brain to release the same hit of dopamine requires more of that thing. So that's how addiction occurs. So all of a sudden we're addicted to all these little hits to give us this feeling of pleasure because our hormones and our brain chemistry is changing and it's being depleted of the key ingredient for happiness, which is serotonin, which is mind-blowing. And it, 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 once you understand that, you'll change the path to what you search for in life. And we will understand that when you get to hack number eight, secure serotonin. But we need to start at the start before we work our way up that ladder of hacks. So hack number one, Alex, is keep your friends close. And the, the reason that you know I've started with this hack is because 70% of happiness has been proven to be as a result of the relationships that you have. When you think about it, it's, it's common sense because we're, we're community-based, tribal-based beings. That's the only way we survived ancestrally was being part of a tribe. We've spoken about that before. It's so important to feel like you're part of something. So research has shown despite how much money you have, your age, your sex, your gender, 70% of your happiness is determined by your relationships. That's such an interesting stat for me because how many of us now through social media, which I call unsocial media, are now becoming detached from human connection? You know, that touch, that feel, you know, that, that feeling of, of being part of something. Um, we're not really connecting anymore at any sort of real level because it's all done through technology. So once again, really try to focus on keeping your friends as close as you can. And interestingly enough, Alex, what person in your life do you think makes you happiest? Uh, I would say my partner. Your partner. Why have you gone quiet? <laughs> Why, why are you looking at me like that? It's just, well, I, found, I find this hilarious. So I've given the wrong answer, haven't I? <laughs> not, not a bad answer. I would have thought the same thing. To be 100% honest with you, I would have thought the same thing. But it's showing that your probability of increasing your happiness goes up nearly 150% based on your best friend. Okay. So your best friend determines your happiness by far and away more than anyone else. Now, can't I use the line though? But to my girlfriend, you're my best friend, babe, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I kill two birds with one stone, or am I going to have to tell well, them the bad news? Too, because well, there's great news here as well. They've got to live within one kilometre of you as well. So that's that, that's what they found. So <laughs> I could I could live with my wife living a kilometre away from me at times. Don't worry about that. So. <laughs> The wife comes in, believe it or not, at increasing your chances of happy, your probability of happiness at a measly 9%, this mm. research found. 9%. Yeah. Your neighbour come in at 32% and a friend that you thought was a friend that really wasn't a friend, a pretend friend, actually come in at about 80% of increasing your probability of happiness. So the key to this research is, is that you need to make sure that you've got that support network around you. Now, the ideal number of friends researchers found to make your life as happy as possible is 10 now, people who go to church obviously don't realise it, but research has also shown it's not the belief or the type of, of, of religion that you follow that actually has the largest benefit. It's actually that feeling of belonging and community. Mm. So that's why people, if they are struggling with happiness, should look to join groups, whether it's a fitness group to go and train, whether it's a, a group that, you know... Um, practices some sort of spirituality. That is the key to happiness is being part of a tribe, being part of a group. So it, it's quite interesting. And, and when you know that, it makes life much easier. So just to reiterate on that hack, it's just the collective of the people around you, including those close friends that will make you happy because you have a tribe. And I suppose, Adam, you have different people to bounce off and have different ideas and different relationships. And it's that big melting pot of friendships that increases your happiness. Is that correct? It certainly does. And allows us to fulfill our needs and our buckets. There's so many needs that we've got as human beings emotionally that the wider the, the, the set of friends you've got, the more effective you are. And you know, I love the little hacks as well. You know, They're saying that shout your mate. So one of the biggest ways to get a spike of happiness is actually paying for your mate 
for a free meal or, or a couple of beers down the, down the pub. So by giving every child once again that makes you happy as well um you know if you can't find mates physically go and buy yourself a dog you know patting a dog for 15 minutes alone has been showing nearly to double serotonin levels as well so you know if you can't find a real mate go get yourself a dog so it's, it's just so interesting you know the little hacks you can do and you know the importance of being able to communicate with people was done with this amazing study and i love this study mm. that they showed that therapy was actually 32 times more effective than being paid cash so they got two groups of people and they said to one group, I'll give you therapy or we'll pay you cash. And the level of happiness of the people in the therapy group increased 32 times more than the group that got paid the cash. So it just shows that we long so much for communication and being able to express our emotions. Um, your DNA determines 50% of your ability to be happy. Now, we know, which is exciting from what we talk about being health hackers, that you can influence which genes get switched on and off. Mm. So our actions and our environment, talking about having a close group of friends, will impact the amount and type of genes that get switched on, which will ultimately affect how happy you are. Now, the other 40% of happiness is determined by our actions on a daily basis. So the decisions we go about every single day determine how happy we are. And we know, lastly, that the last 10% is your life circumstances. That's why when you go to some of these third world countries like Fiji, and you see how happy everybody is when they've got nothing. And people go, oh, but they've got nothing. And they're just so happy because your life circumstances only make up for 10% of your happiness. And I love stats and I love studies. And one of the most fascinating ones around, you know, what determines happiness is when they took people that won lotto and they took people that had an accident and ended up in a wheelchair. Now, they found that the people that won lotto in the first three months, their happiness went through the roof. Mm. Whereas the people that were involved in an accident and in a wheelchair, their happiness went down. But after three months, guess what happened, Alex? Flipped. It flipped. All of a sudden, people's basis level of happiness before they won lotto, after they won lotto, after three months, it went up dramatically. But within three months, it was below where it was before they won lotto. Whereas people in the wheelchair, they were below it for the first three months, but then they went above their base level of happiness before the accident. I'd say, is this because they almost find happiness, gratitude and thankfulness in smaller things that they might have overlooked prior to an accident? For example, you know, the ability to be alive and be with family and just that retrospective thinking is what aligns you to really be appreciative for the things that are important in your life as opposed to possessions. I think it does. And it just shows from research that 10% of your current external life circumstances determine if you're happy or not. So that's the great thing. You know, what's happening outside isn't as important as we spoke about before. That's pleasure. What's happening on the inside? You're exactly right, Alex. And that is where that we have so much control over our level of happiness because it's about our intentional daily actions, which will really determine how happy and unhappy we are. So this is exciting because that's what we're here to do today is hack into some of these things that people can do to make sure they are happier. And that's, Adam, what the rest of these hacks will do. We'll now start building up a way for you to look internally and realise what will actually make you happy versus just pleasure. Which brings me to hack number two. I don't know actually what you're going to do with this one. I've just got a few brief notes from you. Sing along. This is great. What's happening? Well, the University of Manchester has proven that music is a mood booster and makes our body release the happy hormone, serotonin. Because it turns out, Alex, that we have these tiny little organs in our inner ears which are actually connected to the part of our brain that's responsible for registering happiness. So music also helps to spark our brains by elicitating great memories as well. So there's a two-pronged approach, Alex. You've got this little organ in your ears that actually stimulates the feel-good chemicals 
And maybe if your voice is like mine, people around you aren't going to be as happy to hear me sing. <laughs> but um, it also helps to evoke great memories. You know, how many of us can remember driving along in the car and all of a sudden some tunes come on back from the 90s and you, your mind goes back to, you know, when you're having a great time out with your mates or a memory. And that elicitates the feeling of happiness as well. All right, Adam. So hack number three. I've been looking forward to getting to this one. R, like a pirate. A-R-G. Is this an acronym? Is this stands for something? Yes, Alex, it does, mate. This is what it stands for. R stands for anticipation, <laughs> recollection, and gratitude. So Alex, A stands for anticipation because research has shown your mood in the morning affects your entire day. How good is it when you wake up, you've got something to look forward to for the rest of the day. It really gives you a spring in your step and it starts your day off the right way. The second uh, letter is R, which stands for recollection. So before you get out of bed, just lay there and think about something that made you happy in the past. You know, it might have been the day before. You know, for example, you know that you had that really you know, good experience with your partner or you experienced something, you know, good. I always look back to when I used to have hair, mate, and I used to spend 20 minutes combing it in the morning. So, <laughs> well, it's a windy day and I think about how, how good it is not to have hair anymore because I can walk outside and not, not get my hair blowing in my face. So, um, there's certainly ways of, of hacking these yourself, but recollecting, you know, great memories and moments, you know, allow us to kill stress, but it also allows our brains to pump out a whole heap of happiness chemicals. Um, And the last one is G, which stands for gratitude, which I believe is the king of happiness. I've said this a number of times before in past shades that we all should focus on an attitude of gratitude. Now, this is so important for a number of reasons. We know that the human brain can't experience two emotions at once. So we're focusing on gratitude, what we're grateful for. We're going to certainly have a huge abundance of happiness chemicals floating throughout our brain. And what don't you have to be grateful for, Alex? It's something I do every single night before I go to bed is write my gratitude journal down, the three things I'm grateful for from the day that I just had. But in the morning, this is my little hack is the R. You know, I really anticipate something I'm looking forward to for the day. I really like to recollect, you know, some of the great things that I get to experience on a daily basis. And then I'm grateful for these things before I roll out of bed. And you know what? I jump out of bed ready to hit the day in a very, very good mood. Adam, I think that hack's a great example, the difference between pleasure and actually happiness, because each one of those letters in that acronym is about your mindfulness and the way that you're thinking, which will lead into your happiness. However, hack number four, this is about the physical connection to your body. So how does power up your posture work? And that's what people don't realise. You can't have one without the other. You know, you can't have an unhealthy body and a healthy mind. Or you can't have an unhealthy mind and a healthy body. You might look like it on the outside, but we all know that there's so many people out there that are like ducks. On the surface, they look happy, but under the water, what are their feet doing? They're going a million miles an hour. So the brain and our physical states are directly linked. Our brain's always looking for feedback of our physical state. So the posture that you have, the way you breathe, where you put your eyes, these all have neurological feedback mechanisms to your brain which affect your state and your state of happiness. So, for example, you think about somebody that's sad. It's, a, you, it's an action, isn't it? You think about it, they're slunched over, their heads mm. are down, you know, it, it's like they're sucking lemons like my wife does sometimes looking at me. Mm. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's a state, you know, that's a skill. Whereas somebody that's very confident, somebody that's very strong, you know, you, you imagine what they look like. They're standing tall, their chests are up, you know, they're standing like they're, they're you know, really happy and they've really got, you know, they're on a mission. So that changes the neurological response in your brain. Science has proven that if you take a power stance, that your brain then releases more happy hormones and chemicals. So it's very important that we're conscious of our posture because this affects our mood. And you think about breathing as well. Our posture affects our breathing. And we now know that breathing actually sends our body into a fight or flight response, depending on our posture. So if you're someone that's hunched over and you're not getting much oxygen into your your body, your brain's thinking that you're under threat. 
that all of a sudden you know that you're under fire and you're not getting enough, enough oxygen. So what does it do? It releases stress hormones. Whereas when you're standing tall and you're in a power posture and you're taking lots of oxygen, the blood is flowing through your body and your body is much more relaxed. You're in an alpha state. So our posture determines that. The other interesting thing, which if you want more happiness, is what you actually do with your mouth. Smile. You know, we, we've probably heard it before that people have said, bite on a pencil. So it tricks your brain into think that you're smiling. You know, and my wife often says to me, tell your face that you're happy. Smile, would you? So it's quite, it's such a simple little hack, but smiling actually changes the chemistry in your brain. And then our eyes, this is amazing. Where we change our gaze to, Alex, affects neurologically what our brain is feeling and thinking. So if we are looking down in a confined area, our brain's thinking that we're trapped. It sends it the signal that it's trapped and it doesn't want to be trapped, so it becomes unhappy. Whereas if you change your sight to looking up, scientists have found, there is a hardwired connection between the eye movement and what your brain registers and the thoughts and feelings. So if you look out, Alex, and your eyes see a wide scope of possibility out there, that elicitates a happy feeling in your brain. Whereas if you're having negative feelings, a great hack to do with your eyes is move your eyes from side to side. And this will break the thought pattern of that negativity. So it's amazing, isn't it? Just a little hack that you can do with your body. Your body really determines your mental state, not just your physical state. As I was listening, and I know as you listen, hackers, to this episode, you stood up straight in your chair, you just moved your eyes from left <laughs> to right, didn't you? Don't lie, you just did. And you started smiling when you said it. See, even when someone says it to you, you start doing it. And it's that thing that you spoke about so many times before is your brain is quite malleable, it's quite trickable, so you can trick yourself into feeling great just by standing up. And as you're talking, I sat up in my seat and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm slumping over as well. And for a guy who laughs quite a lot, even I smiled more than usual. So I think what's nice is if you do that around your friends and family, you're going to be affecting your tribe as well and they're going to feel happier. And while we change ourselves, we should smell the roses, which is hack number five. <laughs> and I love this one because Harvard University actually found that having flowers in your house just did amazing things for our mood. It increased levels of compassion, energy, well-being, and happiness. And actually smelling the roses creates a positive chemical reaction in our brain that reduces stress and increases happiness as well. So you're getting double the bang for your buck by buying some roses, or triple really. Your wife's happy, your partner's happy. You're increasing your happiness, your calmness, and they also smell good. So we're getting a lot of bang for our buck with this simple thing. The most Effective, though, smell to increase our happiness has been found to be citrus. So, lemon or oranges. Mm. So, if you're somebody that wants to, you know, boost your mood, why not go and buy some essential oils, a citrus one, and just rub it on the temple of your head, and before you know it, your mood's going to be boosted. Another trick as well, if you're eating an orange, I used to do this when I used to get big, quite anxious, is that if you squeeze the orange peel in half, it will release all of that spray, and you smell that, it's very calming and very relaxing, and also makes you feel really good if you're smelling the orange um, peel. Certainly such a simple little hack, Alex, and anyone can do it. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Number six, say I don't. Now, this doesn't seem right because it sounds like you're being negative. So what's this all about? (laughs) Well, it's quite interesting you say that. Warren Buffett said the difference between successful people and very successful people is that successful people say no to almost everything. Now, this is so interesting because when you think about it, it sort of flies in the face, like you said, of being positive and wanting to surround yourself with lots of people. But what he's actually saying is, is 
that, you know, we're in a society now where our demands and our time, we always feel under stress and pressure being pulled from pillar to post with so many demands. And we just don't know how to say no to things anymore. And really, we're not feeding ourselves first. And at the end of the day, happiness comes not from money, as we've learned, but from time, because time allows us to do the things that we really want to do. Now, there's an interesting stat, Alex, at $75,000, our level of happiness after this amount of money, this is US dollars, American research found that after this point, our levels of happiness did not increase significantly until we started talking about millions and millions of dollars. So if you're looking for that pay rise, unless it's millions of dollars, do not be chasing that slight increase in pay over your happiness. Alex, and believe it or not, the reason I use the phrase say I don't is because it's eight times more effective than saying I can't and it's doubly as effective as saying simply no to people. So there's a little hack in itself. You want to let someone down lightly? Just say, sorry, I don't. Eat that cake. (laughs) I'll have that beer. Well, also, I think if you say the word don't, just by the pure meaning of it, it means it's not a possibility. If you say, I can't, it, it's a reflection of what you maybe can or cannot do. And if you say no, it just seems like someone's being argumentative. But if it's, I don't, it's like, oh, someone can understand. Well, that's a choice that you make and I'll respect that. And it's also effective for yourself as well because your brain registers the fact that I don't do that. So you're owning that behavior. Mm. And it's not tempting as well saying, I can't do that. Well, the brain always wants what it can't have. So if you're saying, I can't have that, well, what's going to happen? You're going to want it. So it stops that craving as well. Hack number seven, embrace the good with the bad, Adam. Well, unfortunately, life's tough, isn't it? You know, we're all going to experience losing a loved one. Something bad's going to have happen to us. It's inevitable. And, you know, research has shown time and time again, and one of the best forms of research was a 12-week study that showed when people were able to attach a positive spin onto a bad or negative feeling or thought, their happiness increased significantly. Oh, this is the silver lining. Silver lining. You've got to, and that's why these sayings exist. That's what I love about these sayings. That's why I say you've got to embrace the good with the bad. You know, you can take meaning out of it. And this is what resilience is all about. And this is where people that are happy are found to be resilient as well. It's a, a really trendy word at the moment. But essentially, it's just your ability to overcome setbacks. And like we all know, setbacks are going to happen. But it's our attitude that determines our altitude in life. And it's very important to be able to accept the fact that when something bad happens, to try to find the positive in it. And research has shown time and time again, people that do this are much more optimistic, much happier and healthier. And one of my favourite, you know, books of all time is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl about a man who survived the concentration camps of Auschwitz. And, you know, the thing that kept him going, there was people being tortured all around him, dying every single day, living through conditions which no human being should be exposed to or, or have seen for that matter. And how was he able to survive? People often wondered, you know, when he come back, how he was so happy when he come back into the community. And, you know, when he told his story, it was an amazing one which was based around the one thing, that he found meaning in projecting his thoughts forward and he hung on to the one thought that really, you know, inspired him every single day and that was when he got to be reunited with his wife and his kids again. So every single day when he got up, he projected, you know, that anticipation of going back to his family. He recollected Alex, which we spoke about, ah, you know, getting there and and, and once again, you know, them great times that he spent with his family and he was grateful for the fact that he was going to be able to get back and be in the be in the arms of his wife and his kids. And this man survived a prisoner of war camp based on that simple formula. The fact that he was able to do this just shows how important embracing the good with the bad is and some of these other hacks as well. Please read the book. Two books today that I applaud you all to read is The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and Now It's Not About 
my mate, but it should be. And secondly, man's search for meaning. If you are in a bad place, go and read them books and it'll change your perspective pretty quickly. I think the common thread that I find uh, from people who are successful that I look up to, not successful in wealth, that's a big misconception. I mean successful in life and just enjoying what they do and being happy. That's what I mean by successful. Is they say it's not about being the top of the mountain, it's about enjoying the climb. And that's, I think, what you're trying to say is that being resilient along the way when things knock you down, it's okay, get up, keep going and keep enjoying that climb into being the best person you can be. Well, in my review, Alex, there's no greater failure in life than having materialistic wealth and being unhappy. Hmm. You know, and you know, being, being in the moment, being able to enjoy the present is a skill and that's where people shouldn't be hard on themselves. Practicing things like meditation, you know, going out and exercising, eating the right diet, these are all habits that you can form, but they take time. Show compassion to yourself. We know that the key to being happy is love and compassion. Why not try it with yourself? We're so good at beating ourselves up when we don't do something well. Just take time out and try to learn these skills and get better. As I always say, if you improve 1% today and every single day, geez, I tell you what, that's a lot of improvement over the course of a year, isn't it? It's 365% improvement. So that is you know, my advice to people. Just try to take them small steps and improve in a simple way every single day. Adam, hack number eight is secure serotonin and you kicked off the show by saying it's all about increasing your release of serotonin and not depleting it through pleasure and things like dopamine and cortisol reducing it. So I can see now why you've saved this one to last because this is where the key lies. So how do we secure serotonin? Well, serotonin, we've done another podcast episode on before, so check it out on the gut, having a healthy gut and, you know, why the gut's so important. Well, it's so important because 90% of your serotonin is produced inside your gut. 90%. Yeah. And as we touched upon earlier, our brains and bodies are under siege from too much dopamine. There's too much pleasure available to us at a click of our fingers. So our brains are overloaded with dopamine. There's so much stress. It's also serotonin's getting the crapper kicked out of it because of cortisol. So serotonin really needs to be secured. And the best way to secure it is by making sure our guts are healthy. Now, we spoke about it in that uh, last po- podcast about some of the foods that you can eat, um, some of the things you can do to boost your, your serotonin levels for your gut. So make sure you go back and listen to that episode. But some of the things you can do are, you know, have fermented foods, making sure you're not having too much sugar, drinking too much alcohol, being too strong stressed, not exercising enough and not getting enough sleep. So, yeah, they're pretty basic ones. Um, But the other exciting thing about boosting your serotonin, it's not just about your gut. Some of the things that we actually derive pleasure from also um, can actually increase our happiness and serotonin levels. Alex, a study has shown, which I love, that coffee, two cups of coffee a day can increase your level of serotonin by 15%, which is amazing. If you you love your your, your cappuccino, mate, there's another excuse to knock one back. Green tea's also been found to reduce stress by up to 20%. 20%, which is going to help with the uh, production of serotonin. Five cups a day though, Alex, so, you know, maybe uh, double bag it, but um, certainly five cups a day is a fair bit, but it's also got a number of other health benefits for it as well. And serotonin, Alex, is also derived from the foods that we eat. It's derived from an amino acid called tryptophan. Now, tryptophan's found in things like turkey. Um, it's found in tuna. It's found in eggs. It's in milk as well, isn't it? Milk. And milk's got the other, you know, interesting things we're going to talk about a bit later as well. Vitamin D, which is important for serotonin. Um, Turmeric. Fatty fish, for example, research has shown that if you eat it twice a week, something like salmon um, or tuna even or trout, that your happiness uh, hormones will increase by 25%, which is incredible. So it just shows you that you are what you eat, literally, and what you drink. And we spoke about it before, um, vitamin D. This is where sunlight is so important for us and our happiness and our serotonin levels. You know, we're living indoors now. We're living under all this artificial light. But the reality is, is that vitamin D is not produced under this artificial light. Natural light outside is 100 times more 
bright than artificial light. Now, you probably don't realise that, but you've probably come out of a room that's not as well lit and you go outside and bang, because that natural light has UV light. And that UV light producing vitamin D in our bodies and that vitamin D is a precursor to making serotonin. So make sure you're getting enough sun. And if you want to, once again, hack, hack the kitchen, throw in some mushrooms. They're the only plant that has vitamin D in it as well. So make sure you're getting your mushrooms into you as well. And then making sure that we do not go extreme with the diet. This is key, Alex. Carbohydrates are required to produce serotonin. So this is my concern with a lot of these extreme diets at the moment that people are going on, but they're not getting any carbohydrates in their system at all, and they're going on an extreme ketogenic diet for prolonged periods of time. It's got its place in short periods for different people, but people that are excluding total food groups really run the risk of missing out on some key nutrients which are vital to producing chemicals in our brain that make us happy. And the most important one, believe it or not, is carbohydrates. So Alex, it's always got to be healthy carbohydrates and that's what we want. We don't want some sugar spike because that's been proven once again to deplete serotonin. So we want slow releasing carbohydrates and what the carbohydrates do is when the body releases the insulin as a result, it then pushes out all the amino acids out of its system and out of the brain to allow the tryptophan to actually resonate in the brain and allows it to produce serotonin. So what the insulin is required for is allowing this battle between amino acids in the brain and allows the happy amino acid to win the battle. So do not neglect carbohydrates, whatever you do. So my favourites are sweet potato, um, rolled oats, uh, fruit, particularly, you know, bananas, apples, berries. You know, they're some of my favourite carbohydrates. Rice. You know, I always love using basmati rice because it's got a medium to slow GI um, release in the body. And I also like to cook my rice in coconut oil. So and Alex, I use the hack, which we've spoken about in the past episode, is I allow my rice to cool for 12 hours in the fridge and I reheat it because this increases the resistance starch in the rice, which slows down the release of uh, insulin being released into my body and actually keeps me fuller and I don't consume as many calories. Adam, for people who are new to the tribe, go back and listen to that episode of How to Hack Into Losing Weight Fast. What you will learn around carbohydrates will blow your mind. And, you know, you should love the show because the advice I give you is really, you know, some healthy hacks, but they're smart hacks to get your partner to do what you want. If you get a massage, they've shown that it increases your level of happiness by 30%. And it's interesting, Alex, it goes back once again to human connection, touch. It's amazing that your serotonin levels can go through the roof with a simple thing like massage. Now... They did it even on pregnant women and they asked their husbands to actually massage them twice a week over a four-month period and their happiness levels went through the roof. They actually increased 32% their serotonin levels, which was amazing. They also did another study, Alex, with women, um, but this time the women were actually depressed, they had babies, and they massaged their babies, these one- to three-month-year-old infants, twice a week for 15 minutes for six weeks. And their infant serotonin levels jumped a massive 34%. That's incredible. So if you're a mother out there that's struggling, you know, after birth or, you know, you're in an environment that, you know, isn't really conducive to the, to the benefit of your kids, consider getting them a massage. It works your hands. And that's the last hack for today. We cannot overlook the importance of exercise when it comes to our happiness. Numerous research has now shown that if you want to combat depression by up to 15%, just get outside and walk. It doesn't need to be strenuous exercise, just the act of movement. You know, we're designed to move, to promote blood flow. Exercise is key. We now know it changes our brain. Every time we exercise, brain-derived neurofactors are produced in our brain. These are important chemicals that allow our brains to flourish. They allow them to be healthy. They allow us to be healthy. So whatever you do, get on your bike literally and get riding, get moving, because this will certainly boost your mood and you can't neglect the importance of movement as well, Alex. This has been about hacking into happiness. Keep your friends close was hack number one. Number two was sing along. Number three is R, an acronym for anticipation, recollection and gratitude. Four, power up your posture. 
flicking your eyes from left to right opens up your mind a bit to the possibilities. That blew my mind, Adam. Uh, number five, smell the roses. Fill your house with flowers and things that smell great and make yourself feel good. Six, say I don't. You know, don't do the things that don't help you in your life and that will make you feel better. Number seven, embrace the good with the bad. It's all about resilience and that hack. And hack number eight, securing serotonin was so much more than just diet. It's about the way you move your body. Massaging can make yourself feel so much better and increasing what's so important in your brain, serotonin to feel great, can come just from being outside and getting vitamin D. Adam, I still think though, the number one thing I've taken away from this episode, and we've learned a lot here, but your brain you know, has to, to process it all. You might have to listen to this episode a few times, but the difference between pleasure and happiness is really quite profound, and I thank you for that. That's great. Thank you. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced and edited by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.